Turn in your pew Bibles to page 1,887. 1,887. Our scripture reading tonight is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 16. I'm going to start the reading in verse 3. Before we read, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, bless the reading and preaching of your word. And may it, Lord, lead us to Jesus Christ, to love him more, to desire to serve him more. May we receive from it your grace, all that we stand in need of in order to live as salt and light in this world for you and for your glory and for our good. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hear now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. May he bless to the hands of hearts, and minds of his people. Uh, many of you may have seen this um, illustration. Many, many of you maybe um, have heard about it. It's called... Um, the uh, Privilege Race. Privilege is one of those words that looks weird when you spell it out. I'm pretty sure that's right, though. The privilege race. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's right. I need one of those smart boards that spell checks things for me. No, it's okay. Um, the privilege race, um, if, you, if you go and you look it up on YouTube, um, there's a bunch of people who are lined up, and a guy comes out, and he's got a $100 bill, and he says, whoever wins this race gets this $100 bill. And then he says, but before we start the race, 
I want, um, I want to do a few things. And he says, uh, I want you to take two steps forward if both parents, both of your parents are still married. And then some people take two steps forward. And then he says, I want you to take two steps forward if you grew up with a father figure in the home. And then he'll say, I want you to take two steps forward if you had access to private education. Two steps forward if you had access to a free tutor. Two steps forward if you never had to worry about your cell phone being shut off. Two steps forward if you never had to help your parents with the bills. Two steps forward if it wasn't because of your athletic abilities that you didn't have to pay for college. Two steps forward if you never had to worry about where your next meal was coming from. And it goes on and on and on. And then basically the point of the lesson is look back at these people that are behind you and realize that you're in this privileged position because of the things that you didn't do. None of these things that I listed are things that you did or things uh, that had anything to do with you. You're not responsible for them. You're now in a better position to win this $100 bill. Now, there's a lot of conversation about privilege today in our culture. Um, but the point of this man's lesson, if you go and you watch the video, is not to make the people who are ahead of the game feel guilty for the place that they're in, but to maybe consider the way in which they can bless those who didn't have as many access to these privileges as they've had, who are behind them. How they can pick their fellow man up and bring them along with them. How they can use that $100 if they win that $100 to care for others, okay? Um, I think that's a better way to think about privilege than the way that we're being told to think about privilege today, which is you should feel bad that your parents were married and that your dad was at home and that you had to go to, you got to go to a private education. You see what I'm saying? Privilege today in our day and age is something that's con, uh, told to us to, to make us feel guilty for what we have. Um, but the Bible actually talks about privilege in a different way. The Bible talks about privilege in a way that makes us feel thankful or grateful for those who came before us, right? So um, this is what uh, I want us to do then tonight. I want us to look at this passage that has a lot to do with privilege. Our theme tonight is because you have received such a great salvation. Live hope-filled, holy lives. Live hope-filled, holy lives. Because you have received such a great salvation, live hope-filled, holy lives. We have four points tonight. The first is the prophets searched. The second is the privileged position.
The third is the promised return. Fourth is the powerful calling. That alliteration's for you, Josh. No, I'm just kidding. It's for me. I, t- I like it too much. It's really just for me. All right, let's look at this first point. The prophets searched. Okay? Our passage tonight is First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 10 through 16. Now... Uh, the first point is covering verses 10 and 11. Concerning this salvation, concerning this salvation is an important phrase because what verse 10 is telling us concerning this salvation is that about this salvation is everything that was described earlier. That's why I read from chapter or from verse 3 on. Uh, Verse 3 through 9 describes this salvation that Peter is now going to express something about. He's going to tell us something about, right? This salvation is so great because it's a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade that's kept in heaven for us. It's a salvation where through faith we're shielded by God until the coming of salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. Um, this is a salvation we greatly rejoice in because even though we've gone through sufferings in this moment, this light momentary ex- affliction, uh, these have come so that our faith can be refined, right? Um, so that we may be proved genuine and may result to praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. These are all things about this salvation, and, and, and Peter's going to tell us something about this salvation that he's described in verses 3 through 9. He said, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with greatest care. Searched intently with great care. Now, this is a general term that Peter's using, the prophets. Um, He's talking about those who in the Old Testament would have uh, fallen under this category, even people like Abraham and Moses. Um, But often when we think about the prophets, we think Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Um, We think of Elijah and Elisha and those kinds of people, right? These are the prophets. And Peter tells us something about these prophets. He says that in some fashion, they had an awareness of this salvation that Peter's described, the salvation that's come through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the salvation that's a living hope, um, a new birth into a living hope, that they had some sort of awareness that what was coming in front of them was this great salvation that was going to be revealed. Um, And because they had some sort of awareness given by God about this salvation, they had this... uh, intent to search it out with great care to grasp it and to understand it. They were trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Now, um, 
I think it is, um, not a very good translation here, um, time and circumstances. So um, the ESV, I believe, translates this a little bit better. And so um, lacking in preparation here, I was trying to pull it up, but I'm not going to be able to do that right now. I don't think time and circumstance is the best translation, but we'll go on from that point just to say that what Peter is saying the prophets did is they were looking almost down through time to figure out what the salvation was and the kind of details that they were looking for through the Spirit of Christ, which is um, the Holy Spirit. the sufferings of Christ, and the glories that would follow. Now, this follows very closely with what um, Luke tells us. Jesus himself says the entire Old Testament was about. Jesus is walking with uh, those disciples on the road to Emmaus, right? Uh, And then he said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, verse, uh, chapter 24, verse 25 and following. Did not the Christ, the anointed one, have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So, this is what Peter says the prophets did. They're trying to find out the time and the circumstances by which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing to when he predicted the sufferings. So this is the model of the Old Testament prophecies about Christ. Sufferings, then glory. Suffering, then glory. Suffering, then glory. And that's what um, these prophets were searching. They were searching out these details. And so Peter is saying, if you look in the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament, all the prophets were looking for what it is that you are experiencing, what it is that you are recipients of, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's why the next thing that comes after this is that privileged position. privileged position. This is what verse 12 tells us. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. And so the prophets had revealed to them that they were serving us. They were serving us. 
In a very real sense, Peter's talking about is the same thing that the author of the book of Hebrews is talking about when he talks about all the saints that came before, right? And they were looking for ahead to what God had promised. But we, we're in this different position. We're looking back at a fulfillment of what God had promised. We're looking back at that God kept his promises. God made these things come about. God gave us Jesus Christ and gave us um, uh, salvation in him. So we have this privileged position. We're in this position in time following the revelation of Jesus Christ. Following the greatest revelation of God in the flesh. Following the accomplishment of salvation in Jesus Christ. This is our position. Right? And so if we are playing the privilege race um, in, a, in, a, in context with redemptive history... Um, we would be in a much better position to win the $100 bill. You see what I'm saying? Because the prophets were searching intently, wanting to know what it is that we were going to experience. That First Peter's audience were recipients of, they wanted to simply get a glimpse of what it was that God was going to do. They were searching intently. They were Googling very, very hard. They were using... Magnifying glasses. In fact, Peter tells us that even angels long to look into these things. That the angels were peeking over the fence trying to see what it was that God was going to do and the salvation that he was going to bring through Jesus Christ. We're recipients of that. We have this privileged position. We have this privileged position, knowing that all those who came before us were serving us as they sought out the salvation that God was going to bring about. They were serving us when they spoke of these things. They spoke of the coming of Jesus Christ. Read Isaiah 53. Read all the prophecies of the Old Testament about Jesus and, and all the great detail that was, was written there about who would come into uh, to, uh, to his time in history in Jesus Christ and Savior. In fact, I've read somewhere that if all the prophecies written in the Old Testament about Jesus were to come true in one person, the odds would be like um, the odds would be like covering the state of Texas knee deep in quarters and being able to find the one half dollar coin. Walking around blindfolded in the state of Texas, quarters up to your knees, trying to find the one half dollar. All of that was so that we could know. That Jesus is the Messiah. They were serving us. They spoke of these things that have now been told to us by those who preach the gospel to you. By the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Peter is saying, you that I'm writing to. When people came to you and in the power of the Holy Spirit preached to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. You need to know that there were so many people who came before who wished they could have been where you're at. Receiving the good news that you're receiving. They, the prophets themselves, they wanted to. They were looking intently at all that God was going to do. The angels themselves, they wished 
they could have seen what God was going to do. And you, you got a front row seat. You have this privileged position. The question then is, um, like today's message about messages about privilege, does this mean then that we're supposed to feel bad? We're supposed to feel guilty um, because we have this privileged position. Well, that's not a, at all what the Bible tells us. The Bible says, therefore, therefore, and as my Sunday school teacher always used to say, when there's a therefore, you have to ask, what's it there for? A therefore is a transitional statement, and it means that Peter is moving forward his conversation. He's saying, now that I've said everything that's come before, now that I've talked about this great salvation, because you have received such a great salvation, the question is, what do we do with that? What do we do with that knowledge of the salvation that we've received? What do we do with that knowledge of a new birth and a living hope? the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for us. What do we do with that knowledge? What do we do with that uh, reality that we are in this privileged position that all who came before us wish they could have been where we're at, but now we're recipients of that good news. The prophets told us about it, but they, they were just looking intently. They didn't know exactly what it was that was going to come about. The angels wish they could look into these things. What do we do with that knowledge? Therefore, tells us. Therefore, prepare your minds. For action. Self-control. Be self-controlled. Set your hope. Fully. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. This is what Peter's doing. He is transitioning um, from the indicative to the imperative. The indicative is what has been done. The imperative is what you do in response to what has been done. Um, the way that we talk about this uh, in uh, Ephesians, it's very cut and dry almost, the transitional point of indicative to imperative. Uh, Peter, in his letter, First Peter, it's a little bit more all over the place. He'll be indicative, imperative, indicative, imperative, that kind of thing. But Peter is saying here, because you have received such a great salvation, therefore, imperative, therefore, Josh didn't call me out on spelling imperative wrong. Where are you, Josh? I need you, man. Um, <laughs> the promise return is something that is meant to drive our application of um, living out this life. Uh, some people say that being uh, heavenly minded means you're no earthly good, right? You're just waiting to be floated off into another place and you just 
You don't really care what happens to this world. Uh, you don't really care about uh, what goes on. Um, the Bible seems to contradict that. The Bible seems to think that when we ponder that Jesus Christ is coming again, when we realize and when we think about that hope that awaits us, the grace that is to be revealed when Jesus Christ returns, that emboldens us to live out our faith and our salvation. And, and Peter thinks the same way. He says, because you've received such a great salvation, uh, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. See how often Peter mentions the return of Christ just in the first chapter of 1 Peter. He says, uh, Praise be to the Lord, or the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, Kept in heaven for you, verse 5, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. That's one time. Verse 7. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. That's two. And here we have a third mention already in the first chapter of 1 Peter about Christ's return. The grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you ponder often the return of Christ? The promised return? Is that something that emboldens you in your faith? Is that something uh, that reminds you that you have to be alert, sober-minded, Preparing your minds for action, self-controlled? Is that something that you set your hope on? That you realize that many things might happen in this life that are outside of your control, but the end result, if you cling to your faith, if you stay united to Christ, in, in union with Christ, if you depend upon God, if you lean into Him, is that you're going to receive grace, life abundant, eternal bliss. Is that something carries you on. Because you've received such a great salvation. Because you are in this privileged position. Live hope-filled, holy lives. And that's um, what Peter goes on to say in this fourth point, the powerful calling. Powerful calling, verse 14 through 16. Peter says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you have when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Quoting from a number of Old Testament passages, um, Leviticus 11, 44, 45, Leviticus 19, 2, Leviticus 27, um, the Levitical law. Um, my wife sent me a comic the other day, and it was a uh, four-square comic. The, the, the first square said the strongman competition. The second square was this really uh, big guy lifting. It's a, it's a drawing. This big guy lifting um, big weights. A second man, uh, really strong man, lifting uh, weights. Uh, and, every, and there are these judges behind them scoring them on the strongman competition. 
And the last man stood up there, he's a real skinny guy, and he said, I didn't skip Leviticus in my Bible reading. And he won the strongman competition. But Leviticus is all about the holiness code, right? And so there's this refrain in the book of Leviticus. Um, God rooting um, your moral grounding, why you're meant to be holy, in what? In him. Be holy because I am holy. Peter says, as obedient children, first thing we need to keep in mind when we're looking at these verses that talk about the imperative and we're called to do is to not lose sight of the indicative. We once were enemies of God. Now Peter calls us children of God. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. He says, don't be like the way you were before. Don't keep the moral standards you had before when you weren't a child of God. You're a different person now. Don't you remember the indicative? Don't you remember verse 3 through, um, verse three through, through, through 12? Of everything that I've said to you before about the great salvation that has been given to you. Because you've received such a great salvation. Don't forget that. Because you've received such great salvation, you're now children of God. And so this um, command that Peter is giving to us and to his original audience is a command rooted in the grace that God has already given to us. Another way you can look at this is when the Ten Commandments say, uh, the, 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 the first part of the Ten Commandments say, uh, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. You could say, that's the indicative. I am the Lord your God who redeemed you, saved you from slavery. Therefore, these are the things that you have to do. Um, Peter is saying, this is the great salvation that you have received in Jesus Christ. You have been given a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Therefore, therefore, don't live like you lived before. And just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. And Peter roots his command to these people to be holy. Not in order to earn their salvation. Not in order to um, any of that. You've already been given salvation. What's the reason you should be holy? Because God is holy. Be holy because I am holy. Do you think that this is a powerful calling? It's a powerful calling because God gives us the power to live it out. God gives us the grace and the mercy to be um, Christians, to grow in godliness and holiness, to be open to the working of His Spirit in our lives, uh, to grow in these ways. Um, it, it's all the work of God alive in us because of the salvation that we receive. So, that's why our theme tonight is because you've, you have received such a great salvation, live hope-filled, holy lives. Uh, chapter 13 of the Westminster Confession of Faith talks about sanctification. Um, sanctification is... Um, one part of the whole of our salvation. 
A lot of times in reform circles, we love talking about justification. Um, but we don't talk enough about sanctification. Yes, we are justified in Jesus Christ. Yes, um, there is the passive and the active obedience of Jesus Christ applied to our lives. But the work of sanctification is the continued work of that salvation we've been given in our lives. And so chapter 13 of the Westminster Confession of Faith talks about this. Um, just as Peter talks about this in his letter, calling us as Christians to be holy because God is holy, to realize the salvation we've received and how we live our lives in response to that, in light of that. This is what the uh, Westminster Confession of Faith says. They who are once effectually called and regenerated, having a new heart and a new spirit created in them, are further sanctified, really and personally, through the virtue of Christ's death and resurrection, by his word and spirit dwelling in them. The dominion of the whole body of sin is destroyed, and the several lusts thereof are more and more weakened and mortified, and they more and more quicken and strengthen in all saving graces to the practice of true holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. The second point says this, This sanctification is throughout in the whole man, yet imperfect in this life, there abiding still some remnants of corruption in every part, whence ariseth a continual and irreconcilable war, the flesh lusting against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And then the final point, in which war, although the remaining corruption for a time may much prevail, yet through the continual supply of strength and the sanctifying spirit of Christ, the regenerate part doth overcome, and so the saints grow in grace, perfecting holiness and the fear of God. Uh, what is Westminster Confession of Faith saying? saying the salvation we have been given is a salvation that grows in godliness and holiness. And even though we may always fight against that part of us, the flesh that's still at war within us, and even though uh, we may have times where we stumble and we fall, in the end, the working of God's grace is more powerful than the sin that remains in us, and we will have victory. And that's what Peter is saying here when he says, to these Christians and to us today. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Peter is not telling this to people who are powerless. He's telling this to people who have the Holy Spirit of God in them. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. God has called us to be holy, but God has also granted us the power to be holy in the salvation he has given us in Jesus Christ. So, because you have received such a great salvation, because you're in this privileged position, your response is gratitude, thankfulness. I'm here in this place because the people who came before me and my family made sacrifices and worked hard. I don't feel guilty about that. I'm thankful for that. I'm grateful for that. We're here today because so many before us pointed to the salvation that God was going to give us in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ himself came, lived, died, and rose again. We're here today because of this great salvation that God has given us in Jesus Christ. And we respond with gratefulness, with thankfulness. And another way to say gratefulness and thankfulness is hope-filled 
holy lives. Hope-filled holy lives. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that you have given us such a great salvation. And we pray, Lord, that you would grant us the grace we need to live hope-filled, holy lives. That we, Lord, may be your elect exiles in this world. And that we may be uh, those who live with a living hope in these trying times. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.